featuring Val as Ollie, a.k.a. Boxer, the ex-mercenary looking for redemption on Seattle's mean and dirty streets. Veronica as Cecile, the snooty college girl out of her depth and slumming it. Kat as Sion, a.k.a. Deandra, a dryad ex-cop from Terrasir looking for her estranged brother. And finally, Beth as Grace, a.k.a. Nightingale, an otherworldly and extraplanar being to meta-humanity, but in reality an emissary from Equestria. It's a mix of classic Shadowrun tropes, getting coffee and donuts, a melding of genres and worlds, and a whole lot of other things. I'm Paul, the Game Master, and I'm really happy that you are joining us on this journey, and hope you enjoy it. If you do, please tell your friends and leave us a positive review. We are available on most podcast services, YouTube, iTunes, etc. You can also find a link to our Discord server in the podcast description and on the YouTube channel. We would love to hear from you, and we share a lot of in-game pay data there as well, such as maps, intros, fluff, and character stories. Thank you again, chummers. Don't forget, watch your back, conserve your ammo, spoof your grid guide ID, and never ever make a deal with the dragon. It's nighttime, as it is so often when running the shadows. What after all is the night, if not the deepest shadow? Our camera is watching a parking lot somewhere in an undefined sprawl. It's raining, of course. We need the pavement to be wet to cast the fractured reflections of the sprawl's neon face. The Rolls-Royce Phaeton sits at the center of the deserted parking lot with its running lights on. <clears throat> Another vehicle a nondescript Ares Roadmaster pulls into the parking lot and slowly circles the Phaeton. The Roadmaster appears tired and worn in comparison to the Phaeton's glossy reflective finish, but a trained eye would notice that the suspension of the vehicle is carrying substantial weight and has been upgraded to support it. There are other tells that this Roadmaster is stock. The tires, the various oddly shaped protrusions on the roof that probably house sensors and antennas, and the discreet seams and panels that may hide offensive weaponry. The large van stops broadside a dozen meters from the Phaeton. The side door slides aside to reveal a large orc holding a PKM machine gun on a gyro mount pointed in the general direction of it in one hand and a ballistic shield in the other. Two more passengers emerge from the van's front. The one in the lead is a human female and the other is an elven male. 
They're both wearing long jackets that are obviously armored, but their weapons are holstered. They walk into the space between the two vehicles stopped with the woman. The rear door of the Phaeton slides silently aside, and a male orc steps out and closes the door behind him. He is wearing what might as well be corp bodyguard operative armored business suit and mirror shades. You have the principal, he asks. You have the cred, the woman replies. Mirror shade nods and says, biometric verification is required. The woman nods again. Fine, your tech can do the scan in the vehicle, as she motions with her thumb over her shoulder. Mirror shade nods as well, and the door of the phaeton slides open again. A male dwarf in a lab coat and carrying a device in his hand climbs out and looks nervously around. The human woman motions him over to her, and after a quick nod from Mirror Shades, the dwarf steps up to her. She pats him down with practiced motions and examines his device before letting him pass towards the van. The dwarf shuffles hurriedly towards the van, his eyes fixed to the muzzle of the PKM that never wavers from Mirror Shades and clambers somewhat awkwardly through the door. Several minutes pass with the two groups staring impassively at each other before the dwarf re-emerges from the van. The squat metahuman pauses briefly to nod at Mirror Shades prior to disappearing into the phaeton and shutting the door in haste. Both Mirror Shades and the woman frown. She says, Your tech seems to be scared of something. Is this a frag job? Mirror Shades answers gruffly. Not everyone is cut out for the game, Chica. Now, do you want the cred or not? She nods and holds out her hand. Mirror Shades passes her a cred stick, which she quickly slots. And after a moment and another nod, she motions to the van. Two figures climb out of the back of the van and head towards the phaeton. One is a large human male and casual. He is somewhat stooped and balding. Beside him is another human female who is gripping his right elbow in one hand and an Uzi in her. She is wearing an armored jacket and compared to her companion, moves with strength and grace. As they come abreast with the others, Mirror Shades raises his hand as if to motion the older man towards him to be searched. Then his hand explodes in muzzle flashes as a cyber gun in his arm unleashes a burst of fire. The older man is hit in the throat and face. His head snaps backward in a spray of blood. Things start moving very quickly. A bullet from a sniper catches the female who had been leading the exchange as she is drawing her pistol full in the chest, catapulting her backward to the ground. The woman escorting the civilian throws herself to the side and her Uzi re releases a staccato rip of bullets that stitch up the side of Mirror Shades' torso and into the side of his jaw. The Mirror Shades are flung clear as the hitman topples towards the Phaeton. The elf who had been accompanying the female human makes an arcane motion and a swirling sphere of energy encompasses him and the downed woman just in time to deflect additional sniper fire. And the PKM erupts in a roar. The fusillade pins Mirror Shades to the Phaeton in a macabre display of violence. Then another sniper bullet takes the head off the woman, the human woman with the Uzi in a blast of pink mist, and what remains of her body rolls over into a puddle of rainy water that quickly turns crimson. The elf mage is dragging the leader towards the van under the cover of the PKM, which is chewing at the armor of the no longer gleaming limousine. Gunfire seems to be erupting from the darkness all around the tableau, and bullets are chunking into the van's armor and being repelled by the mage's scream. As he lifts the leader into the back of the van, he glances back at his fallen comrade. Then he enters the van. The doors of the van slide shut, and its powerful engine revs as it launches itself with screaming tires into the middle. Our drone's eye shifts, and we realize that we are coming in for a strafing run on the location of one of the snipers on the roof of the darkened shopping. Then our rockets are away, and we are pulling up into the night sky, away from the parking lot with its flickering flames and clawing to wrap ourselves in shadow once again. Oh, well, there was something good. happening in Seattle. Something's happening somewhere. <laughs> to somebody. Why do I get the feeling it involves us? It's all related to uh, 
parts. I have no clue how it is. Unless it isn't, and it's just the biggest red herring. <laughs> All right, Paul, are you ready to roll dice? What we practice? Uh, sure. Sure. Okay, is that right? That's right. I got a one. So, so we're going with combat turns, yeah? Are you trying to? You're trying to hack his phone, right? Yes, it's combat. Which I can see in like a little window that pops up with a sim and whatnot. Yep. Um, so I just, I mean, really, I can keep doing this for as long as I want, thinking about it. Who's driving? I think Box. That makes sense. She's the best driver. It could be on Dog Brand. It would make sense to put her behind the wheel so Nightingale can do the funny uh, astral, you know, observation thing. It's like a couple of van. Yeah. Uh, all right. Six. Okay. What's the, uh, what's the time base between, between rolls? How much time passes? Probably a full combat turn. Um, just because Seal's doing it AR and not going VR. That was three seconds. Uh, six seconds now. And you need it, you just need to hit the rating, right, of the, the device. Uh, I'm going for admin, so it'd be plus six. So I, I need to hit a threshold of ten. And I have six so far. Uh, let's do that and go. Boop. All right, seven, eleven, okay. Oh, okay. Let's call that, what, 15 seconds? Yep. So you guys haven't really even cleared the, the car lot by the time you've got his comlink cracked. <clears throat> nice. You um, you all can just see Cecile, you know, gesturing vaguely, typing, whatnot, in the way that you've probably seen hackers do in a vid sometime. Ooh. All right. I would now like to see what all this bloke has on his comlink. Just right. kind of idly looking up, not really looking in any, for anything in particular at the moment. Um, you, I mean, you've got, he's got, it's basically a, a, the comlink of a person who doesn't seem to have anything to hide. There's nothing that stands out as being, like, either secret or, or nefarious. It's basically, you know, if you picked up, you know, random dude walking down the street's cell phone and, and cracked it. Um, you've got obviously a long list of contacts, um, quite a few of them from the Night Errant Academy. Um, <clears throat> you do, there are some, a couple of contacts and numbers in there that are labeled, um, that are labeled, that are labeled Warehouse Alliance. Um, there's a couple of them that have a couple of the, the Warehouse Alliance numbers and contacts that have a, uh, a star next to them, so they might be important to him. Does he have any files on? He does not. Does he have any kind of, like, anything related to what's been going on at all? Not obviously. Mm, okay, okay. I'm just gonna go ahead and turn off... Oh, no. And I see any kind of panic button? Nope. Like a emergency panic function? He didn't activate anything. Okay. He didn't really have time and, <clears throat> you know, it the impression that you got when he pulled up and everything that went down was that you caught him basically by surprise. He was not in his arrogance, in his position, and the arrogance of his assumption about you guys as shadow runners. You know, he saw absolutely no risk or danger in meeting you guys. Is, um, is there? Does there appear to be anything valuable on his phone at all, or is it basically like the equivalent of a work computer? It's the equivalent of a work computer. Mm. There's certainly pay data, so if you took some time to, to analyze it and sift through, there's probably a good bit of information 
maybe even some of just some of the contacts names and what their ranks are that are labeled in there might be interesting to somebody just go ahead and make a copy of all of the phone's contents and whatnot sure i do so and i'll sort through it later in the meantime i'm just going to can i like brick the comm link absolutely all right i i would like to inflict as much matrix damage on that comm link as possible You've got admin privileges, so basically you could basically I imagine system you thirty two. Yep. Do the equivalent of pulling the SIM chip and mm-hmm. dumping the memory. Good. Okay. Um Ooh, before I do that, are there any linked devices to the comlink? Uh let me check. Um there are several arms, uh weapons. Um you already got the you picked up the Colt Manhunter that he had on him. Um, that was linked to it. There are there's a uh, there are a couple of other weapons that are linked to it that you didn't find when you searched. So probably his personal weapons that he didn't carry with him. Um, there also appears to be his motorcycle appears to be linked to it, and uh, that's probably it. Okay, cool. Then his comlink is bricked, and that'll be a pain for somebody to fix. All right, so you guys are heading out of Auburn southeast in a southeasterly direction towards Puyallup. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was middle of the day, maybe early afternoon. It's like five o'clock. That's when we told them to meet us. Okay. So there were two things that we were that you were trying to achieve, right? So you wanted to get from him, you wanted to get the audio recording of Kimmy telling Mr. Johnson that um, she wanted nothing to do with him. So that was the, the one part for completing the job with Mr. Johnson. Then you had the job from Prokop, which was basically to kidnap George Van Housen and get him to a safe house. So now you're on your way to the safe house in the van. Uh, Deandere, are you following the van or are you leading? Um, I think Deandere would be following the van. At least in this moment, she might like circle around it every now and again. Okay. Puyallup is, as you know, um, maybe just barely a step up from the, uh, the Redmond Barrens. <clears throat> the volcanic eruption of Mount Rainier in 2017 devastated this area. And, uh, it's covered in a uh, in lava flows and heavy ash fall, and it's basically just a very grim and grimy area, very working class. And uh, so you you pass through Redmond. The drive takes about an hour. You're getting in, you pass through Auburn. I mean, heading south. Actually, before we get there, can I do something? Sure. All right. So Ice is in the van with all of us, right? Yes. And we're What's the location where we're going to meet the fixers or cleaners? Puyallup. Right, but where in Puyallup? Like, what? Can Cecile see the location? Yeah, you got it forwarded to you. Everybody got it forwarded from. What's it folk. look like? Um, it's a warehouse, um, in a very rundown sort of warehouse, industrial kind of area. Everything is black and covered in ash and grim and grimy. Are we taking uh, the cop? Those. Hmm? Well, there's as so to backtrack a minute. There's. The, uh, the job wasn't to take him to any kind of cleaners or anybody else. The job was to capture him because there's some back history between him and Prokop and Ice, and they want to find out what happened. Basically, they were set up on a job. Um, George Van Housen was acting as the Mr. Johnson, but it was a setup and a frame job. And... Uh, they're taking him to a safe spot where they can interrogate. So, are we taking him there in San Palu? In Puyallup? Yeah. Yep. He is with you okay. in the van. You, um, Dindir cuffed him 
Uh, his arms are cuffed behind his, his hands are cuffed behind his back and his legs are cuffed, his feet are cuffed, and he is currently still unconscious, lying on the bottom of the van. Um, you searched him, everybody's, I mean, he was searched by, I believe, Deundar and Ice and um, Nightingale also did an astral perception of him and had seen that he was relatively heavily cybered. In fact, he has a, a cyber arm and uh, quite a bit of headwear and some other stuff going on. Remind me, so the message that I sent to Prokop was that we needed his, because at the time I wasn't going to hack up, uh, that we needed someone to like help take care of the phoning home thing. Is that still going to be at the warehouse and whatnot? You had messaged Prokop that you needed help with... With, with his comlink, basically. Disabling it. Oh, I didn't remember that. Uh, well, in that case, yes. All right. Uh, cool. Then everything's fine. Continue. <laughs> Liz, did you have any other questions? All right. So um, it's about a half an hour drive um, when you get to... You, the location is a uh, sort of a nondescript warehouse, not very large, with a big bay door in the front. Uh, which opens up as the van pulls up to it. And, uh, Boxer, I guess you drive in. The van drives in, and you see a couple of people standing in a lit area. Let's see if it transfer you guys to the map. Oh, we get maps? Oh, God, we get maps. Come on. Paul always has maps. Yeah, he hasn't had them after, like, several sessions. We're going to get shot at. <laughs> Don't beat him up. He's trying. We're going to get shot. This is a nice map, though. Don't tell him that's a. I like it. I like this map. It would be a shame if we weren't shot in. It could be a red herring. <laughs> it's not a red herring. <laughs> but what if so, it is? So this is the step van. Her van is black. Yeah. I didn't know what color the van was, so I just went with black. It would uh, be very conspicuous if it was white, as you know, because <laughs> white sticks out really fucking hard. Not really. There are actually a lot of white vans. What about gray? Yeah, I guess All right. Gray. You guys pull in. There are a couple of people standing around, um, none of whom you recognize. Three people. Let's just say three people. Let gray? me draw them. One, two. And the map is unfortunately quite big, so you got to zoom in to even see what's going on. Okay, so you guys get out of the van. Who's getting out? Uh, Cecile will get out. Boxer cautiously. She, uh, let's see what she got. She would have disassembled the fall, would have her submachine gun slung, not held, her sidearm. Actually, you do know one of the, the people waiting for you. Yeah, so the people that are here are Kirsten. Um, next to her is a, a rather slight and nondescript looking elf um with a some kind of a device in his hand and then back uh back here there's an an older gentleman sitting in a chair um drinking a coffee and smoking a cigarette uh cecile goes ahead and starts walking toward the the duo okay kirsten sees you and a big smile breaks out on her face and she says hi cecile hey kirsten fancy seeing you here indeed i didn't realize you Hung out in warehouses, although I'm not that so. She makes a face at you. Who's your friend? Mm, she looks over. This is Mouse. Mouse is a decker. He's here to make sure that uh, we're not being electronically surveilled. Good. So, 
mouse. I already bricked his comlink and took all the files off it. Let me know if you want anything from it, although it was pretty sparse. Uh, I he checked says, him over. I didn't see a lot. Do you want to keep the comlink, or should I take it off you? Oh, out of character. The comlink was implanted, right? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, bud. The comlink. Oh, all right. All right, so in there... You can look over the body, though. The body? Well, he's not dead. He's unconscious, but you know. Okay, so he walks over and gets into the van. (laughs) I lost my character under the van. He's gone. I think I can see the edge of his token. No, that's the van. Oh, the van is an actual object. Well, yeah, if you guys decide you want to drive it out of here, we got to... We can ram Kirsten. (laughs) Ramming speed. Wait, is the... Forklift uh, a token too, or is it just weirdly outlined? <gasps> it looks like a token. Oh, oh no! Just in case. You never know. It's over, Joker. I have my <laughs> my class driver's license and my people. All right. The mouse is looking over the un the the unconscious body of the cock. Yep, he's scanning him with some kind of device in the back of the van, and uh, so check out everything. Yeah, he's got a couple of trackers on him. I'm going to say, got back in. The dog, pretending to be a stupid dog, will explore some. <laughs> so what doors are two? Um, so let's, uh, let's, so let's say the, the front door is open, front doors, o- the front doors are open, and the, this door right here is open. Yeah, see. I drew a line. So the one up front, before the van, which one? The one behind us? The, like, sliding the side, side door. door. Oh, seeing the back one. Uh, All right. Uh, Nightingale, I want you to, while you're looking around, that is not the one we don't want here. Understand? The dog borked and wagging its tail. Cameras or something? Runs off. If it's not, I know you're busy with it. I mean, I'm pretty sure we're in control of this warehouse. Hey, hey, Mouse, is the guy at the desk looking at the cameras? Yeah, he's watching the cameras. Yeah, it seems like they have it handled, Boxer. All right, so Ice drags George Van Housen out of the van and uh, drops him on the floor. There's a light shining there. And at that point, Kirsten looks over at Mouse and says, you're all done, Mouse? Mouse says, yep, he's clean. I cleaned the tags. Kirsten looks over at Cecile and says, well, I'm getting out of here. We're getting out of here. Our job's done. Good. Nice seeing you, Kirsten. Yeah, you too, Cecile. Stay safe. Don't forget to study harder. She chuckles. Yeah, you too, Cecile. You think I can study harder? I'm insulted. <laughs> well, I don't think you've been studying much lately. You'd be surprised. You're right. She and Mouse uh, She and Mouse leave. At this point, it's just you guys, the old man in the corner watching the, uh, watching the security cams and basically just ignoring you. He's got a bag of chips and a pack of cigarettes that he's working on, and... Uh, now it's just you guys. All right. So Seal looks dice. So are we going to interrogate the cop or are we inviting him to tea? Uh, we're going to interrogate. Um, okay. So I think we can do both. Nightingale says still in the <laughs> Sadly, I don't have my purse to bring tea with me. Are we planning on any advanced interrogation? He needs advanced interrogation when I'm here. She makes yeah. an excellent point. <laughs> Subjecting Van Housen to Cecile is, is probably closer to advanced interrogation. Cecile gives you a very annoyed look. <laughs> if all else fails, I can just shoot him again. I'm sure he'll love that. Or we could cut out his vocal cords. I don't think well, that hey, would help us. We're not going to do that. Andrew, now we need cutting out the vocal cords is going to be. Yeah, what did you say earlier? His comlink was implanted. Yes, it's also now completely bricked. 
I start slapping him, trying to wake him up. He's I lying s- on his back on the floor. Ice, why don't you just slap Patch? He looks, at you, he looks at you quite annoyed and goes back to resume slapping the man. Phil <laughs> <laughs> just sighs and like, she starts casting a spell. I'm going to cast Analyze Truth at Force, I don't know, uh, three? Deandre, so Deandre pulls out uh, smelling salts out of her med kit and moves uh, Ice aside. Just, just wake him up with the smelling salts. All right. Lockbeard wants to get in on this and just slap someone and steps back. <laughs> I think that's unnecessary. I think it's very necessary. He cost two of my bullets. Two. Unacceptable. How much do they cost? Eh, nothing. Nah. Are you drawing a stick body for Van Housen? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, um, I would like to use some edge. Okay. I'm I would like to, spell. Mm-hmm. I would like to re-roll yet. all of the non-hits. So that's uh, eight dice. I'm rolling. Eh, close enough. Alright, so that's three hits on the spell, and then I just drain. Uh, I think that three... Yeah, I, I don't take any. Okay, yeah, we're good. Alright, so at that point, Deander drops the smelling salts in front of uh, Van Housen's nose, and he... Uh, he starts to come to and starts to tries to shake himself and tries to stand up and realizes he's being restrained and then uh, I think Deander would have him like by his collar and have the smelling salts up in front of his face like that so he's like pulled up off the ground slightly and he, as his eyes opens he looks at you and says what the frag the frag is going on here you had the terrible fall so I should mention Paul don't forget to roll uh, his willpower against a threshold of three. And Cecile now has a glowing, like, spectral snake tongue coming out of her mouth. That's kind of... Ooh, okay. The spell works. Although I don't think I was supposed to know that. All right. So George Van Housen comes to, and he's looking a little bit dazed and confused, but he's snapping out of it really quickly. His eyes are, are glancing back and forth at all of you, and... Hey. Uh, if you try anything, I'm the one who shot you before. I'm more than willing to do it again. I think Deander would just pull out her sword. Like she has, she has Van Housen by like his his the collar of his shirt of his uniform, and she just whips out her sword and kind of puts it close. And Kedasia insulting the honor of a a knight of my rank would let me cut your throat. Cecile's looking at you like you're crazy. <laughs> Gail tries to, you know, gently guide the point of the blade away from the dude's neck. I mean, it, it's like a, it's like a saber, so it's like she has the the flat of the blade. On like well, her yeah, hands. but still, it's kind of she thinks it's unnecessary that this probably won't help to get him talk, uh, to talk. You know, it's smart to stop it from doing anything else. He uh. He start. He's looking back and forth amongst you guys. Just, or um, Grace, you being dual natured, you're seeing his aura, and it, he he seems more perplexed and angry than anything else at this. And he's starts saying, "What are you? What are you? What the frag is going on here? What happened, Cecile? We we talked at the diner. I know who you are, but what? Why are we doing this? Hey, Ice. What questions do we have for this guy? Ice says. Is still just looking at at Van Housen, and he says, "You don't recognize me." And Van Housen looks at him and says, 
What do you mean recognize you? I saw you the other night in the diner. You guys, you have no idea who you're fragging with. And Ice is just looking at him sort of impassively. You can't, Cecile, or I'm sorry, Grace, you're looking at, you see Ice's aura is very, has a very odd calmness to it. And uh, Ice says, think back a couple of years when you were still called George Van Housen. Because as you remember, if you guys remember all, you all recall, he, he did not introduce himself. as He's been operating under a different name. And as soon as Ice says George Van Housen, um, the man's eyes get a little bit bigger and he says, what? That was, that's decades ago. How could that be of any importance? Ice just smiles and he says, do you know who Mary Luce is? How about Akamai? And you see George Van Housen's eyes get big. And then all of a sudden you see that he's recognizing it. And he said, and he starts laughing. And he's laughing. Come on, this can't be serious. That was 25 years ago. Is he lying? <laughs> no, he's not lying. Okay. The same, the same sort of arrogance that drew him into the trap in the first place is is still uh, at play here. You know, he can he, he basically considers himself untouchable. Even now in this situation, he doesn't. He's not feeling as threatened as you think he should be. Maybe. Why aren't you afraid? Of what? I mean, come on, guys. I'm I'm a knight errant officer. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you understand what you guys are getting yourself into ca- kidnapping a knight errant officer. And all that stuff about someone. George Van Housen, that doesn't matter to anybody. That's oh, all over. Someone. <laughs> You'll see. Ice leans down over him and says, oh, it matters to me. I lost a lot of good friends that night. And George looks at him and says, you're shadow runners. What do you expect was going to happen? And Ice just looks at him and gets a really, goes a little bit paler than he normally is and grabs him by the by his collar and says, "Did what happened to the rest of my friends that night? And George looks at him and says, well, it's far as I can remember, most of them died. Um, I think we captured one of your guys, the uh, the rigger guy. And Ice's face goes from pale to, to red. And he says, rigor mortis was alive. And George Van Housen chuckles and he says, this is about, this is about the rigor? Are you shitting me? After all these years, you finally decided to come back and check whether your friend was still alive. Man, some honor amongst thieves. At that point, Ice just lets go of him and walks away. And then back behind the van, you hear somebody hitting something. Ice, if you hit my bike, you're paying for it. The seal Let the man have his moments. Seal walks up to Von Hausen. Oh, mind answering my questions now? He looks at you. Sure, whatever, lady. Oh, hang on a second. You're that. You're the girl from the university. The one that got kidnapped. I am still kidnapped. Huh. This is turning out to be a weird day. You're not a kid. Seal looks at the dog and like shakes her head. So, Von Hausen, why don't you tell me exactly what happened and why these fine people are mad at you? He chuckles and he says, well, it's a very long story. Very boring story. They're criminals. We set them up to take the fall for something and they fell just the way they were supposed to. I don't really understand what the big deal is, but holding a grudge this long isn't going to help. And uh, look, guys, you guys, I don't know about that other guy. Uh, I forgot what his name is. It was 20, 25 years ago. That I, but you guys, you're not too far into this where you can't still get out. You just let me go and walk away. Maybe you didn't hear me, Mr. Von Hout. I said I wanted to know what happened. I don't care about your... All right. Play it that way if you want. Um, well, I got hired by a big time fixer to uh, 
to do some work, to find some fall guys for some for a job. Do you really want to know the details? This is not this is not uh if I tell you what I'm what you want to know, you're gonna have some very dangerous knowledge in your head. The kind I assure of you things over. cannot get worse for me than that. He grins somewhat mirthlessly at you and says I don't think you quite understand how bad things can get. He looks at it. He looks down at himself and says, "For example, look at me. You could be lying on the floor of a warehouse in handcuffs." I, I think I was going to suffer a much worse fate, considering the people to be after me. Now, please answer my question, or I will let the green lady do whatever she wants, and I don't know what that is. He looks at the rest of you guys. Are you guys sure you want to hear this? They can leave if they want. This smells to him. Her fangs are sharp. All right. I warned you. Um, uh, Dende is going to pull out a pack of cigarettes, and she puts one in her mouth. Anyone else? He says, yeah, I'll take one. Sure. I pop a very specific cigarette out and kind of offer it towards him, like within range where he can get up, like, use his mouth to get it. All right. He leans forward and grabs it. I like mine first and then his. He smiles. Says, thank you. All right. So here we go. This was a long time ago. There was, uh, there was some serious bulldreck going down in a Japanese corp, Yamatetsu. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Nowadays, they're called Evo. I'm aware. Well, there was... From what I know, there was a cabal in Yamatetsu that uh, very, very pro-Japanese and very anti-Medic. Hardly surprising. Um, in any case, as part of this power struggle, this uh, pro-Japanese cabal within Yamatetsu didn't like some of the policies that were going on and decided to, to murder the CEO. Uh, they did it by framing somebody called Akuma or Akimi. In any case... Their murder plot succeeded. Akimi fled to Seattle and took refuge with a woman named Moose. He looks at you expectantly. Any of you want to make a memory check or a knowledge of any kind of corporative knowledge check at this point? I don't think I actually put corporate. Would area shadow? Uh, area knowledge, Seattle. Sure. May I roll memory? Yeah. Unless Evo has influence in security, she does not know. Yeah, so you probably don't know. Um, Anniversary, roll a five, okay? <laughs> How many dice did you roll? I, I rolled memory. my memory die, which is eight. Good, good roll. Yeah, good roll. Yeah, so you guys remember, and Nightingale knows, that uh, Mary Luce is actually the head of Evo North America. The seal death on that. So, George goes on, in any case. But, uh, so, Ice has rejoined you, and he's standing there just listening to George Van Housen. And George says, well, so in any case, the uh, the faction, the Yamatetsu faction that had put the hit out, the high mucky muck or whatever, Yamatetsu, hired me and uh, he looks at ice, me and my, uh, me and the Shadow Riders to find some fall people. And I hired uh, ice and his team to basically kidnap Akami and we were going to kill Mary Luce and frame them. He looks at ice again and says, unfortunately, the runners weren't as proficient as we thought and got into a whole lot more trouble before we were able to conclude our part of the business and kill Mary Luce. But they did manage to kidnap back me before, uh, before Lone Star shut it down and, and wasted. Ice got away. I think we caught one of their guys, the rigger. That's what, that's what happened. That's surprisingly simple. And just to clarify, he hasn't lied at any point during this exchange. He hasn't lied. No, but, uh, you also know that even though he hasn't lied, he hasn't, he doesn't necessarily. Mm -hmm. Well, 
Thank you, Mr. Von Hausen. I shall be leaving now, unless, I don't know, one of these other people has something to do to you. Ice looks at Van Hausen and says, so what happened uh, to rigor mortis? And George Van Hausen looks at him and says, um, I think he's still in jail where he belongs. He's a criminal like you guys. And uh, I says, okay, so where? And George looks at him and says, come on, you're not going to try and rescue him now, are you? After 25 years? And Ice just says, yeah, actually I am. And at that point, everybody make a perception check. Oh, dear. Oh, I have. I'm sorry if I'm a bit loopy. Nothing. Would having superior hearing help me? No. Superior vision? This would be a visual perception check. Okay. So I also have uh, something that gives me plus one surprise, surprise test. And uh, if they had to move to get over here. But uh, only within a couple of meters. That won't, that's not going to be going on. How does pre Um, You add the rating of your edge with a roll, and then on a six, you roll that dice again. Did you pre-edge Nightingale? Um, I don't know exactly how I would. So I, I add my my edge. Well, there's also an edge button. Oh. And there's an edge button, and you can click on modifiers, I think, at the top of your sheet. If you click modifiers, it'll let you add a modifier to you. All right, so Cecile doesn't know she's... Uh... Distracted maintaining her spell. Yeah, exactly. Um. Boxer, you notice a strange change on George Van Housen's face as he's talking. For a split second, you think he's having a stroke. One of his pupils dilates, and the other one gets really thin, and his mouth sort of opens funny. And uh, his perception. It's a skill, like shooting. Just to reconfirm, he didn't have any active magic, right? There hadn't nope. been a spell casted on him before he met us. Nope. And uh, being dual-natured, you see a sudden shift in his aura from that sort of arrogant, frustrated, and, and and angry kind of color to a sudden, I mean, you see a sudden massive tight spike of terror through. Um, Something's going Whimsy. Whimsy. <laughs> Deandere and, uh, and Grace, you see his sort of, his face contort a little bit, and all of you see that he suddenly gets a, a scared look on his face, and he says, he suddenly, he gets, he looks at Ice, and he says, Warehouse Alliance, Warehouse Alliance, and his head explodes like a grenade. Cecile just starts screaming. She, well, she's running to the, the radius van. on that. Yeah, you guys are going to be all resisting damage. <laughs> all right, uh, great. Um, how much are we talking? So I roll my body, right? So let's see. We roll soak our armor, so right? It's, it's it's ten p. N. Ten p. Negative two ap. What All is right, the so soak value? It penetrates two, so no, it's negative two. two. Yeah, negative penetrates. So let's see. That would be Deandere, Boxer, and Nightingale. So it's negative two. I'm going to say you guys are a meter away from it. So it's negative two. So it's it's only eight p for you and for Cecile. It's six p, and for Ice, it's six p. So what's the roll for this? Right, that's the right roll. So it's impact. Well, I'm going to roll body. Um, I'm going to add my edge to this. Probably a good idea. So if I wanted to spin an edge to re-roll all the ones that weren't hit... Whoa! I, just I got a four! Mark off an edge and then roll four dice, I guess. That's oh, yeah. That'll okay. work. Uh, but first I have to roll a d6 because to, to see if bad luck triggers. <laughs> it does. <laughs> oh, shit. Get shit on. Get shit on, indeed. Um, 
This character is cursed with, uh, with her own luck often turning against her. Whenever she uses edge, roll 1d6. On a result of 1, the edge is spent, but the exact opposite effect isn't. Wait, but that's also bad on helmet. Fail. It uh, counteracts. Uh, so I guess I rolled body damage. Rolled that with it. You said speed for me, Paul? Yes. I take two physical damage. In fact, it's body. Just body then. If your armor doesn't take any effect, have any effect. How do you determine if the soak is just soaking the damage, reducing the damage that you're taking? So, so when I preemptively use edge, you, uh, you your... add your edge to the roll, um, and then on a six, you re-roll that dice and add a hit. So, so what I is it my edge that I do after them? You got a six, so roll one extra die. Wait. Yeah, so you get you get to roll another die. Oh, five. you got five hits. Uh, eight. So... so I just roll body, right? Un- unless you're wearing armor. Uh, I I did, and I rolled a zero on soak, and then I edged yep. and got a one. So I'm assuming I take eight unless I roll my body and take the damage minus body. Or does uh... unless getting bad luck makes me just take all the damage. I don't know what the bad luck. It just says that uh, on a result of one, the edge is spent, but the exact opposite effect is. So I intended to re-roll my soak, but it didn't work. So just yep. roll body one. And that's physical damage, I guess. That is physical damage. So I take seven. How does soak work? I am so if I rolled two and I'm just doing eight damage, what does that mean? Still taking. Eight. You're rolling your body plus armor against the damage, like like a drain test. So so I would roll eight die of impact armor minus. So that's just six plus your body. You have eight armor. Yes, an armor vest and helmet. From impact damage. Yeah, I think Ice Ice is armored like that too. She's armored like a horse because she can carry it. Sorry. So it's it's armor and body, and that's it. So on seven damage, how injured would uh, Dendere be at that? Uh, You can tell. There's a little thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm on there. Uh, I think I'm. I have three boxes left. I think. So beat up. Yeah. Wheel took a little bit of damage and hauled it, screaming to the van. <laughs> so you guys are all more or less covered in some kind of gore. Um, the more damage you took, the more gore you've got on you. Either either Van Housen's or yours, depending. Um, I think, Dindir, how much damage did you take? Seven. And what's your body attribute? Uh, five, or four. Um... Okay, so if a character takes a number of box of damage from a single attack that equal or exceed their body, then the attack automatically knocks them down. Okay. So no, it does knock down the unconscious? No, just... On the ground. Okay. Yep. Deander and Boxer are knocked over by the blast, and everybody's covered in gore, and uh, obviously George Van Housen is dead. And the guy behind the uh, security counter who's been watching the uh, monitors at this point, curses and um, runs out through the uh, through this door. Right. Basically, he's like, frag this, I'm out of here. I think Gail is shocked. Very shocked. So shocked, in fact, that she just dropped her physical mask and is uh, very obvious that striking glowing red blood, her own blood, just kind of stands there, not reacting. Ice walks over and uh, starts to help Deandere up. Deandere is, uh, she's clutching her head and like... Trying to get up on her own, but is obviously like swimming, basically. The seals in the van cowering. Uh, I think Dinder is swearing quite a lot in uh, Sparethiel. Yeah, Ice is bleeding slightly from a from a head wound, and he looks over at Boxer. You all right? Lose Boxer, Val. Um, 
Why don't you try an edge? Just roll your edge. All of us? Nope, just uh, boxer. Actually, no, not edge. Uh, do a do. Let's do a willpower and uh, just a willpower roll. Salt. Yeah. So boxer, you're you're feeling you're feeling a flashback coming on from from you know the worst day of your life, and and you're but you're able to suppress it by basically just focusing on you know checking yourself, making sure that you're still that you're okay, that the people around you are okay. You see, uh, you see ice helping Deendir up. Deendir seems to have caught the blast more more powerfully than you have. She's obviously injured, and uh, the, uh, the pony's injured, and Ice is injured, and Cecile seems to have run to the van. So she's obviously not that injured, unless maybe Shock has just carried her. You lost. No, okay. under the van. Ice, do you have medical training? No. Damn it. Help the horse. I have her. her. Uh, like uh, the second you come over, uh, a biomonitor on the like cuff on the like uh quadricep of uh Deandere's coat just lights up and starts listing things off in Spirathiel. You cannot Spirathiel. Fortunately she has a rating five medkit and medical strength. She's fixating very hard on Deandere. Uh, is Deandere making noise? Um probably swearing a lot. Um <laughs> uh, right, I need you to keep swearing. Make as much noise as you want need as long as you're still making noise, understand? Uh, I think Deandere starts talking to Boxer, but not not in uh, English, in Sparathiel. It doesn't matter, she just needs her to talk. Uh, she's going to deploy her medkit and begin... Do you have a first aid skill? Yep. Plus, should I have... No, you, you shrug that off. You're basically using the... Focusing on helping others to shrug that off. Um, so it's first aid plus logic. And five, to five, she's... Oh, no. While, uh, while everyone else is moving worried out of their mind and pain is very noticeably coloring Nightingale's world, um, by the time Ice, like, comes to her side, she, uh, like, twitches in the face. She looks at him and promptly pukes on him with, uh, <laughs> vomit that's acidic enough to burn his clothes and only slightly his skin. And she swoons for a moment, and then she shakes her head, and her freeze response resolves into a fixed response. She is uh, stepping away from Ayas and turning her attention to Deandre once she confirms that this guy right here is irretrievably dead. He a, of course is, he is irretrievably dead. Is Unlike dead. other animals, you can regrow their head. Humans <laughs> cannot. That's so sad. And Ice is just looking down at his clothes and the smoking... Boots and the frag? It's almost like she spit acid at him. It's kind of confusing at first, I imagine. Yeah, he's looking very confused. It's definitely distracted him from what's going on here. All right, so the maximum damage healable with the first aid skill is equal to the skill's rating. So you roll the first aid plus logic, and you add the uh, med kit's rating to it. It's five plus the medkit's raining. That's how much she'd be healing. Seems like a lot, doesn't it? Well, she's skilled, has exceptionally high quality equipment, like almost the fucking buy. Nightingale would provide a pair secondhand to help that paint uh, be not sterile, luckily. Ice goes to the bathroom and starts rinsing himself. He's pretty much fallen. She seems extremely tunnel vision at the moment, hyper fixating. It's like she's in this many times. Paul, didn't you say that the max, uh, that could be healed with first aid was at first plus the med kit plus the med 
which actually convenient turns out to be seven. So that means she healed a five, and that leaves how much? Two left, I think. Yeah. Um. Once Boxer pulls back, and uh, it's obvious in her aura that she's not sure what else Nightingale likes, and she um gives a quick motion over Deandre's body, and this like uh, gentle glow. It's white, and then turns then red, and it's entirely. Guess what, Deandre? Guess what? Magic doesn't work on me. Ah, fuck, really? Yeah. Uh, magic resistance ah, plus four. I forgot. You can still <laughs> try. I, I'm going to try. Yeah, so, I would say you still tried since you said you did before you knew. Yeah. She wasn't thinking about that. She was wanting to help. But um, you said it's 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 minus, so it would be minus four to my, my focusing test question. No, uh, that it requires a voluntary subject, right? And you, you can't be a volunteer subject when you have nope. that resistance. Mm-hmm. So it, it could mm-hmm. never work. Nope. So in correction, what would have been a healing, gentle, uh, like energy encompassing her body as it uh, lowers in intensity, brightness, and color, it just kind of proves. What is the role for that? I think Deandre responds to the attempted healing magic in a way that was not expected. She kind of writhes and sits up straight and wretched, just throws up the entire contents of her stomach in front of her. Foster <laughs> is going in again when she sees this because it's. Yeah. And you hit, you hit Ice again, who just walked up and is like, ah, oh, frag, really? Damn it. Uh, and now Deandre is clutching her head with both hands. And swearing and speaking even louder in spiritual. So heal does not require a voluntary subject. It doesn't? Nope. So it may be uncomfortable, but... I'm pretty sure Magic Resistance specifically mentioned heal. Yeah. yeah, you'd still have to resist. Okay, you would resist so... it, it's just, it just, you know, if it gets through, then it still works. So, uh... It's willpower, willpower plus four, I think, right? Or do I use a different skill for that? different attribute? Being that I cannot recall the opposed whip, that sounds about right. Nope, you just have to touch. So, okay, so she's resisting four of the heal. Do I resist it with willpower then? Willpower plus your count plus your uh, oh. magic resistance. Okay. Well, the magic resistance already counters it entirely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it fails. Yeah, so it's ineffectual. What it feels like for her, I imagine, is that at first there's like these inklings of warmth uh, somewhere between like a a lazy spring morning and a fentanyl high, but then very quickly it becomes this alien, uncomfortable, ah, get out of me feeling. And uh, her body responds, or her soul responds, I suppose. And I think uh, it feels kind of ill. Whatever uh, like swimming dizziness Deandre was feeling just gets multiplied by like 10 and that's why she just bolts straight up and, and pukes. Yeah. Monster is going into shock response, which is not her going into shock. She's acting like she is. Which means she's now being forced onto her side to avoid choking on her own vomit. Uh, I think Deandre is oh, sitting wow. up at this point. Uh, so she starts like pushing Boxer away and saying something in spirit in spiritual to her. People are gross. <laughs> yeah. I, I think first is ice. The the second uh the the horse says people are gross, D 
Deandre like whips towards her like angry and starts just like screaming at her in spread in Sparathiel. Boxer will restrain her. She is going to restrain her. I think after about like thirty seconds, Deandre like stops very suddenly and then immediately starts speaking in English again. Fuck. Get off of me. No, you're my patient now. You've been in the explosion and God don't look down because you will not like it. Just stay there. Lie down. Let me treat you. Uh, I don't Liz, trust a normie digging around in my organs. Liz, Excuse are you... you, I am combat certified, so how about you lie down? I don't care. That was me casting hell on myself. Oh, on yourself. Okay. My lie down. And actually, it's magic time. Actually, fuck it. Uh, to use your single the leadership plus all power. I applied water to... Oh, you <sighs> Yeah. Okay. All right, so everybody's gotten themselves pulled back together and Boxer has applied first aid to Deandir, and, and Deandir is recovering, and Ice is pacing back and forth. And then he looks at the rest of you guys, and he says, I think we, uh, hang on, where's Cecile? She's in the van. Brag. All right. He comes over to the van, and looks in. You all right, Cecile? She's still cowering. She hasn't noticed. She's like, she has hunkered down. Hey, why don't you come out and let us uh, patch you up? Looks, uh... like, looks like Boxer knows her way around the med kit. So we're not being attacked. Uh, we've been attacked, but we are not currently being attacked. Great, great. I'm just going to stay here. Turns out he had a cranial bomb in him or something. Ostensibly. Obviously, somebody didn't want him to talk. Well, I don't think they succeeded. Yeah, it's weird. All right. What do you guys think we should do? I think that, um, body here, he properly interred in the earth, and I need clean of his blood. I need a shower. You need rest. You can take a shower, but afterwards... I'm not getting into a bed covered in gore. Fine, but you are getting into a bed immediately after. Understand? There's a, there's a bathroom over there. Ice points. You guys can go clean up. Um, I go and turns and clips off to... Uh... I think Deandar turns away from the bath and starts looking around for her sword, which it didn't stay in her hand when the bomb went off. It would be funny if it was impelled in something. It, it's stuck in the floor like Excalibur. Yeah, it's stuck in the ceiling like a reverse Excalibur. <laughs> you have to be this tall to use this sword. <laughs> you have to be this tall to be Petra. Ice pulls out his rating one comlink and makes a call. Cecile's still in the van. She's just like fetal position. <laughs> Ice is uh, describing what happened. Uh, sounds like he's talking to Prokop. But he must have thought we were going to actually kill him. I saw him at all appearance. This wasn't him. He didn't activate something or someone active. It's very obviously a mental block. It was installed in him. Maybe he knew about it. Maybe he didn't. But he thought about something and it killed him. Nightingale calls from the restroom. She has the These door. These night errant people are fucking crazy. The bomb was for us. Yeah, the bomb was definitely for us, I says. Um, look, we need to get out of here. The bomb's probably not going to attract attention, but for somebody to trigger the bomb, they must have known that this guy was taken. And if he, they know he was taken, then they might be triangulating us right now. I'm driving. All right. Um, I'm not leaving my bike here. You, look, I know to drive a bike. I have one of my own. It's my absolute baby. I will take care of yours, but you need to stay in the best. Understand? I'll have your tongue if it's to it. <laughs> I know how to mess up my bike. Hmm? Rest. Deander tosses boxer physical actual key. All right. Um, something else happens. If I can find the room. Oh no. More pain? 
you were all infected with a deadly bioweapon. That's exactly what I was thinking. CFD. And I'm now a carrier of it. I hope you all prepared second characters. Oh, I won't need a second one. It's Deirdre's twin sister. A long lost cousin. She's a dog. It turns out they made a clone of Cecile. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, everybody make a uh, an initiative test. Initiative? Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck, I was... Oh, to the turn tracker, or just make initiative? Just roll initiative. Okay. So since... Is this, uh, is, 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 is this combat? Nope, it's a surprise test. Uh, I feel like... Oh, it's rolling 14. Oh, shit, a spirit! Is that what Nightingale says? She probably wouldn't say, oh, shit, but she... <laughs> I, I don't think she has indication to that effect, but that's um, out of character. That's the only thing I can think of that would have that high of an initiative. The Topps Company, Inc. has sole ownership of the names, logo, artwork, marks, photographs, sounds, audio, video, and or any proprietary material used in connection with the game Shadowrun. The Topps Company, Inc. has granted permission to the Hard Knock Sorority Podcast to use such names, logos, artwork, marks, and or any proprietary materials for promotional and informational purposes on its website, but does not endorse and is not affiliated with the Hard Knocks Sorority Podcast in any official capacity whatsoever. The music for the Hard Knocks Sorority Podcast was written and performed by Trace Mineral. The Hard Knocks Sorority Podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons License 4.0, meaning you are welcome to use the material as long as you give us credit.